Welcome to the Victory of the Lamb podcast. We are a simple, straightforward Bible teaching church in Katy, Texas. If you are in the area, we'd love for you to stop by anytime. Otherwise, we hope you use this podcast to grow in your faith and be confident in sharing it with many. You can find us online at VOTL.org. We hope you enjoy this message, and God bless your week. God's grace, His mercy, and His peace are yours in abundance through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. What are the chances that you would be able to predict with any amount of certainty what's going to happen to you tomorrow? Maybe you know that you're going to go to work or you're going to go to school. Maybe you know what you're going to eat, who you're going to go out and meet with. But other than that, it's pretty vague, isn't it? What if I asked you about a year from now, what would happen in a year? And that seems even more impossible, right? I mean, who knows where we're going to be in a year, where we're going to live, what we're going to do. It seems almost impossible to see what the future has in store for any of us. The prophet Isaiah, through the power of the Holy Spirit, was able to predict and prophesy exactly what was going to happen to Jesus and what he was going to do for each and every one of you. Not a day in advance, not a year in advance, but 700 years before Jesus was even born. Talk about unbelievable. The words we hear in Isaiah 53 make it seem as if Isaiah is sitting right at the foot of the cross watching his Savior be crucified for him. The familiar words of, he was pierced for our transgression, he was crushed for our iniquity, the punishment that brings us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Those verses, those familiar verses, come just before our text for this morning. And it truly is unbelievable, isn't it? But by faith, we are able to believe these wonderful words from the prophet Isaiah. And so let's study them this morning. Let's, let's take them to heart and let's believe them by faith. But who is this prophet Isaiah that we're talking about? Well, Isaiah is one of the major prophets of the Old Testament. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, those are probably the big three in the Old Testament. And as we said, Isaiah lived 700 years before the time of Christ, and it was a time of political uncertainty, chaos, wars. The world seemed to be falling apart for the people of Israel. Assyria, the nation of Assyria, was the world power at the time, and they had been running through the lands, conquering nations left and right. And as high and mighty as Assyria was, well, to be quite frank, the people of Israel, God's chosen people, were kind of pathetic. Their nation had been divided into a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom, and Assyria had come and swept northern Israel away, taken them off into captivity because of their sin. And it was only by a miracle of God that the southern kingdom was able to avoid that fate. We hear that God had sent an angel of the Lord to strike down and kill 185,000 Assyrian soldiers that were laying siege upon this southern city. 
And it was by a miracle of God that the southern kingdom was saved. But their time was yet to come. See, Isaiah prophesies also about another nation, Babylon, coming in and sweeping away the southern kingdom because of their sin as well. And so we hear about all of these prophecies from Isaiah about Israel and Egypt and Assyria and a bunch of little other smaller countries as well. And as we read them, we might think, well, Isaiah seems to be a prophet of doom and gloom. Well, not so much, because here in Isaiah 53 and elsewhere in Isaiah's book, we see beautiful prophecies. Beautiful and yet brutal. A perfect paradox, an unbelievable prophecy. A prophecy pointing ahead to Christ. But more importantly, fulfilled by Christ. Every word fulfilled for you. And so let's learn a little bit about this prophecy. We see in the text that it says, it was the Lord's will to crush him and make his life an offering. And to us, when we hear the word offering, we might think of our time or our talents or our abilities or our money that we we give to God, that we give to the church. Well, that certainly is true, but for the Old Testament believer, when they heard the word offering, they were more thinking towards the sacrificial system that God had given to Moses. Remember back at Mount Sinai when when Moses was at the mountain, God had communicated with him and said, here's what you are to do. And here are the sacrifices that you can make to make our relationship right. Because the people of Israel and the people of the world were sinful. So God had given them sacrifices to make that relationship right. We hear in the letter to the Hebrews that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And so the people of Israel would bring their perfect animals, their spotless animals, without blemish or defect to the priest. And the priest would slaughter the animal, draining its blood into a bowl and taking that blood and sprinkling it upon the altar. For us, that might seem a little cruel and grotesque, but it shows the seriousness of sin. But more importantly, all these sacrifices were pointing ahead to Christ pointing ahead to the one sacrifice that would be made once for all to take away the sins of the world. Because all those animal sacrifices, those were only temporary. But Christ's sacrifice was once for all. And so how would this sacrifice come to happen? How would this take place? Well, Isaiah tells us those details as well. See, the Son of God himself needed to be numbered among the transgressors. The Son of God needed to come down from his throne on high in heaven and come down and live among sinners. To take on human flesh, to be suffered, to suffer in every way that you and I suffer, to be tempted in every way that you and I are tempted. And yet he was the perfect, spotless Lamb of God because although he was numbered among the transgressors, he didn't sin once. And when he, even though he did not sin once, yet he was punished and crucified as a criminal. And he was numbered among the transgressors as he was hung upon that cross because he had a criminal upon his right and a criminal at his left. So he was numbered among the transgressors. But more importantly, not only was he numbered among the transgressors, but he bore the sins 
of the transgressors, your sins and mine. Christ hung upon that cross with your sins nailed to the cross right there with them. See, Isaiah uses some interesting words in this prophecy, maybe some words that we don't hear very often. We're we're familiar with sin. That's that idea of missing the mark. Maybe you've heard that before. God has set a standard for us. Be holy as I, the Lord your God, am holy. That's the target. That's the mark that we're supposed to hit. And yet, no matter how hard we aim, we can pull our bowstring back and aim at that target as hard as we want. We, met, we don't even hit the bull, we don't hit the bullseye, we don't hit the target. We're either shooting too high or too low, too much to the left, too much to the right. We're stuck in our sin, and we know our sin. It burdens us, it weighs us down. But that's not the only word Isaiah uses. He also uses the word transgression, and maybe that's one of the words that we're not quite so familiar with. The idea behind transgression is a line being drawn in the sand. And you're not to cross that line. I think of when I was younger at my grandparents' house, they had a pretty large driveway. And so we would ride our bikes down the driveway, and my grandma said, you can only go this far and no farther. She's trying to protect me, make sure that I didn't go into the road and get hit. Well, and that's what God does too. He lays out very clearly in his word, this is what you are to do and this is what you are to avoid. He does it lovingly. He, he wants to protect us and yet so often we see that line and we toll that line maybe just a little bit too closely and we, we stumble over it. Or we blatantly see the line and we say, no, I'll, I'll just cross over it anyways because Lord, I know what's best for my life. How could you possibly know? You aren't in my shoes. It's cheating on your taxes just a little bit because no one's going to find out and and I I really need the money right now and it's just this one time. The Lord clearly says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. It's looking at that magazine or that, that website or that thing on your phone because it's not going to hurt me. It's just this one time. It's not that big of a deal. No, we hear from God's word that the sexually immoral will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And so we know the lines that have been drawn, and yet so often we cross over them. We have been unfaithful to our God, and we're stuck in our sin. Just like those northern Israelites or the southern Israelites taken off into captivity, we're stuck in our sin. We're stuck and we can't help ourselves. We're dead in our sin because of our unfaithfulness. But where you and I are unfaithful, our God remains faithful. He promised to save those Israelites out of captivity, to bring them out of exile, and to restore them, and he did. But more importantly than that, he promised to save each and every one of us from our sins. And Isaiah tells us just about that. And he did. You see, he not only was numbered with the transgressors, but he bore your sins and mine on that cross and they were nailed to that tree, wiped out forever. With the result that you are justified. He will justify the many. And that many is you. Your sins are taken away The charges that could have been brought up against you are wiped clean. 
the judge's gavel has been pounded, you're declared not guilty in the sight of God. How unbelievable. And yet we believe it by faith because it's true. And Jesus took away our sins on the cross. And to prove to us that this sacrifice, that the Lord making Jesus the sacrifice once for all to take away the sins of the world, he proved it by Jesus' resurrection from the dead. Jesus raising from the dead is God's seal of approval, saying, I accept this sacrifice. The sacrifice that he made, yet yeah, it, it is for everyone. It shows that Jesus has power over sin and over death. He rose from the dead victoriously. He saw the light of life. Those are the words from Isaiah. And because of that, you and I have the promise of resurrection from the dead as well. So Jesus rose from the dead, and then what did he do after that? Forty days after his resurrection, he ascended into heaven to receive all power and glory, to receive that reward that he had earned. He returned back to where he was before, but not only to sit there and bask in his glory, which he could very well do if he wanted. No, Jesus is at the Father's side, making intercession for the transgressors we hear. Well, and what does that mean? It means Jesus is sitting at the Father's side, speaking to him for every time that we stumble and fall. Every time we cross that line, every time we miss the mark, Jesus says to his Father, look at my hands and my feet. Father, look at my spear-pierced side. They are forgiven. I have paid for their sins. That is intercession. He says, Father, forgive them for my sake. They are not to be punished. The punishment was upon me. They are forgiven. That's exactly what our Heavenly Father does. He looks at his son, Jesus, and he forgives us our sins because of him. He sees us, and he sees Jesus. He sees his blood covering us like the blood that was sprinkled upon the altar. Jesus' blood covers us. In baptism, we are washed clean of all sins. We wear the robes of righteousness because of Christ and what he has done for us. What a beautiful, beautiful prophecy. And it happened. And now, he will see his offspring. God and Jesus will see you and me as his own dear children. We are co-heirs of eternal life because of what Jesus has done for us. What a beautiful and wonderful thing to think about. And as unbelievable as it may seem, we can believe it by faith because the Holy Spirit has worked that faith in you to believe that Jesus has come to this earth, died, rose again, and is speaking to the Father on your behalf. so beautiful. So maybe we don't know what tomorrow has in store for us. Maybe we can't see a year down the road. But we do know one thing. We do know that we have a spot at the marriage feast of the Lamb. We have a room in heaven that is being prepared for us, being prepared for you, because you are a child of God. Through Jesus' death and resurrection, your sins are forgiven. 
you are at peace with God. Amen. Time is precious. Thank you so much for investing some of your time with us today. Could I ask you for one more favor? If you're enjoying this podcast, please don't forget to click subscribe and give us a rating. Just a few seconds of your time will help other people hear the simple, straightforward Bible message we offer. Thank you so much. God bless your day in Christ.